Well, here I am. I want to say, first of all, I believe, I pray that all of y'all do. And secondly, I want to say that uh, Kenny's mother and I are so very proud of him, and this, this is my first opportunity to say that in public. <clears throat> we are so proud of uh, him following the leadership of the Holy Spirit. We're so glad to be at Simple Church, and we're so glad to know each and every one of y'all. Now, I'm not typically a very emotional person, or not outwardly very emotional, and my wife is saying something to the Debbie next to her about that. But uh, for some reason or another this morning, I just, I just feel very, very emotional. And, uh, and that happens. But I want you to know that um, I have made a vow to serve Jesus. I'm in love with a man. His name is Jesus. Yeah. I borrowed that from someone else, by the way, but uh, it's good. So... Um, if I have made a vow, then if I don't live up to that vow, then I am without integrity. And if I do something that embarrasses myself, how long will embarrassment last? 10 seconds? Until my wife talks to me about it? It won't last long. But if I lose integrity, it may last for eternity. So I have vowed to serve Jesus, and I will do that. Now, some of what I'm going to say today is very personal. But first of all, before I get too serious now, uh, we have a picture I'd like to put up. I think y'all will enjoy this. Kenny is not aware of this. I don't know what age Kenny was here. He's probably about five, but isn't, isn't, that, the, isn't that the cutest little face? Isn't that just wonderful? Okay, and kind of give us a second picture. Okay, Kenny is a little more mature here. This is when he graduated from high school, but he's still pretty cute, still pretty cute. <laughs> so this is a little bit of the Kenny that you didn't know, and he wouldn't have put up there, I'm sure, but that's him. Okay, thank you, Connie. Let's, let's get rid of that picture now. <laughs> so anyhow... Uh, I see a lot of good faces here, a lot of people that I know, uh, maybe some folks that are, that are new to, um, to their faith. And I want to say that um, we're all at different levels. Uh, I've heard, heard good people speak this morning, and I've, I've seen things. Um, Dawn spoke this morning about her commitment to Christ and how that's manifested in her desire to uh, do missions work. If you are a new believer, if you um, are just new here, I would like you to serve, and I think the Lord would want you to serve however you can. Now, it is true, as a new believer, one of the best ways that you can serve is to become educated. What is it that you believe? And find out how you can serve in that process. And then there are good people who come here and they serve Maybe even every week. I know, heaven knows, my wife has people bringing in food that, you know, she didn't expect them to bring it, and they, they just show up and say, well, this is what I'm supposed to do. Um, one of the great attributes of being in a part of a fellowship of believers, which is what we would call ourselves here, 
is the fact that you come in, you show love to each other. You, you just have no idea how many people come in here. You may, may be a very outgoing person and you have, don't have any trouble meeting visitors, but there are people who come in here that, well, I don't know a soul and I don't know how I'll be greeted. I don't know how we'll feel. I need to be in a place where I'm comfortable. I, I want to enjoy the music. I want to enjoy the pastor. I want to like the pastor. That, that happens in churches. So I would encourage you to keep, continue to serve in that respect. Now, my journey has been a little bit different because there were a lot of the middle years of my life where I really didn't serve the Lord in any way. I'll just, I'll just be honest with you. And Kenny's, Kenny's familiar with that. Uh, about 19 years ago, I had a, a, a wonderful experience with the Lord that changed my life forever. I will never forget it. And, and then I committed myself to serving God. And I served in many ways in the church. You know, I've, I've ushered, I've you know, taken up offering, I've taught Sunday school. Um, I, it, I would bore you with the list. But it, it was ways to serve. But, but inside of me, I, I knew there were other ways that I needed to be serving. Kenny and I have talked about this on occasion, that there is a scripture that, you know, that says, Essentially, now I want y'all to know I'm I'm a wonderful paraphraser of the Bible, which I think is a good thing because if you hear me say something and it doesn't sound exactly right, maybe you'll go to the Bible and you'll look it up just to confirm it or see if that's wrong, and in the process maybe you'll learn something. So I, I'm not afraid to paraphrase, and I think I've got it here somewhere, and I'm gonna try my very best not to go down my outline. I, I just don't want to do that. Um, but it, it basically says that to whom much is given, much is required. And I've, that's kind of guided me. I look at myself and say, what abilities have I got? Well, I'm fairly smart. Okay. I'm a degreed engineer. I work, Kenny's laughing at me. Uh, I worked as an engineer all of my working career, but before I retired, I wanted to teach at a Bible college, which was going to exist. So I asked how I would, how would, I would qualify to do that. And I had an associate pastor tell me, well, take you some courses. So I took some courses and I didn't know when to quit, so I have a doctorate in theology. So, okay, I have that. Um, it has been said that I am a patient person. Anybody attest to that? Raise your, raise your hand, Joyce. Okay, my son. Okay, it's been said that I'm a patient person. All right, that's a qualification, I guess. All right. Oh, by the way, these pictures that were up here, those are displayed in a room in our house that has... 170 pictures hung up or standing around somewhere. I had to count them. Now talk about patience to try to take different pictures, different sizes with different sorts of hangers on them and try to line them up and put them up on a wall. I think I, think I have patience. I think I have patience. Did you mention that up here, Kenny, about all the pictures being hung? At some point, probably. Okay, I, I didn't know if you did or not. I, I don't listen to half of what you say. Uh, <laughs> I just said it. I had to say that. Okay, so, okay, I've got a doctor's degree in theology. 
I'm going to teach, I'm going to teach at a Bible college. I'm going to be somebody special. I may even be dean of that college. I may, who knows? I could be wonderful things with that education. All right, perhaps. I've got a lot of patience. Okay. Well, what does the Bible say? What are we supposed to do? Got a scripture. Put this scripture up here. This is the very first one. The Pharisees wanted to trick Jesus. There are 10 commandments and then there's all sorts of bylaws that go with that in the Jewish way of living. And so they were going to trick him and they say, okay, tell us which is the most important. And the proper answer for them was, well, they're all equally important. But this was Jesus' answer and this is from the message. When the Pharisees heard how he had bested the Sadducees, they gathered their forces for an assault. One of their religion scholars spoke for them, posing a question they hoped would show him up. Teacher, which command in God's law is the most important? And Jesus threw him off. He said, love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and intelligence. This is the most important. The first on any list. But there is a second to set alongside it. Love others as well as you love yourself. These two commands are pegs. Everything in God's law and the prophets hangs from them. So my message today is about the second greatest commandment. We're to love our fellow man. Now how is that manifested? What, what can y'all do to love your fellow man? Well again, I've said, you know, we can come together and we can hug each other and we can encourage each other to read the Bible. We can, we can come to small groups. We can do all of the things here in the church, but is there more to love than that? Now, you know that uh, before Jesus was taken and crucified, Peter denied him three times. When Jesus was resurrected, he came back and he asked Peter, and forgive me, but I, I cannot stand preachers that say, now the Greek for this is such and such. I don't know what the purpose of that is other than to illustrate that you've studied the Greek. So I'm just going to use the words that in, in English that Jesus and Peter would have used. Jesus asked Peter, do you love me unconditionally? Jesus asked Peter that. And Peter's response was, I love you like a brother. Jesus asked him a second time, do you love me unconditionally? And Peter said, well, Jesus, you know, I love you like a brother. And then my take on it is that Jesus asked Peter a third time, do you love me like a brother? And the point was being that Jesus was trying to get Peter to say, no, 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 don't, don't just give me lip service. You know, show me how you're going to love me. It's going to be unconditionally. Will you do anything that I ask you to do? And he had already asked to love his fellow man. See, Jesus had told his disciples before he left. He said, I, I, uh, this commandment I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you. Now that was for his disciples. And they understood that. But now he's asking Peter, no, unconditionally. And, and remember what I've said. I've said, love your fellow man. I told, I told the religious scholars about this. Okay. So what, what kind of love are we talking about? 
I'm, I'm going to embarrass my wife a little bit. Can I do that? Y'all care? Joyce, Joyce, come here. Come here just a minute. Come here. Come here. I'm, I'm not kidding. Come here. Now, she is gonna be, she's going to be so glad I did this later on. Come here. Come walk right up here. Come here. Now, you know that you're my wife, and now I love you unconditionally, right? Yes. Okay, come here. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> now, I'm serious about it. I've said that I love that woman. I, I don't mind showing it. Now, she's, <laughs> she's going to be so glad I did that. <laughs> Maybe not right. What did I say? Embarrassment last 10 seconds? Okay. You're probably over it by now. Okay, that's un, that's, to me, that's a symbol of unconditional love. I mean it. I'm, I don't mind showing it. I don't mind being emotional about it. So here is what uh, Paul had to say about love. Give me the second scripture there, Connie. Okay. And it's very lengthy, and y'all have seen it in other forms and so forth and so on. And now I'm going to put my own little spin on this. I mean, I'm the one preaching, so I can say this however I want to. Okay. Now, who was, who was Paul? What was his background? I've got to say a little bit about this. Paul was Saul at one time, and he was probably one of the greatest persecutors of Christians. A man who had been carefully trained by a famous teacher named Gamaliel and uh, considered himself a, a, the Jew of all Jews. Yeah, I mean, I follow the law to the letter and I'm, I'm somebody. Okay. And what happened to him? He became a Christian. He had to put aside all of that and serve God in ways that God told him to. So he wrote about love. He says, if I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy, but don't love, I'm nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. If I speak God's word with power, revealing all his mysteries and making everything plain as day, and if I have faith that says to a mountain, jump, and it jumps, but I don't love, I'm nothing. If I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe, and what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. Love never gives up. That sounds patient, doesn't it? Huh. Okay. Now, I want you all to know that I, this didn't come to me. I mean, like the first day I became a believer. I, actually, when, when I began preparing this message, this came to me. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others, isn't always me first, doesn't fly off the handle. That sounds like patience. Doesn't keep score of the sins of others, doesn't revel when others grovel, takes pleasure in the flowering of truth, puts up with anything. Patience? Trust God always, always looks for the best, never looks back. I heard recently somebody say, never stumble over something behind you. We should always be moving forward. Leave the things that are behind, behind. Never looks back, but keeps going to the end. That sounds like patience. 
Love never dies. Inspired speech will be over someday. Praying in tongues will end. Understanding will reach its limit. We know only a portion of the truth, and what we say about God is always incomplete. But when the complete arrives, our incompletes will be canceled. When I was an infant in my mother's breast, I gurgled and cooed like any infant. When I grew up, I left those infant ways for good. We don't yet see things clearly. We're squinting in a fog, peering through a mist. But it won't be long before the weather clears and the sun shines bright. We'll see it all then, see it all as clearly as God sees us, knowing him directly just as he knows us. But for right now, until that completeness, we have three things to do to lead us toward that consummation. Trust steadily in God, hope unswervingly, love extravagantly. And the best of these three is love. Love. Love our fellow man. Okay, as I've said, I've got this fancy education. I heard Kenny say one time that uh, his first thought was not to be a youth pastor. Wasn't sure he wanted to be a youth pastor. Guess how he started? Youth pastor. Okay. I am an ordained minister, not through this ministry, but through another ministry. I'm ordained. Hey, I could pastor a church. I've had people ask me, so what church did you pastor? Never pastored a church. Never taught at a Bible college. But see, I got all these qualifications. So what happened to me? <laughs> Kenny didn't want to be a, a youth pastor, but he did. I'm, I, I do not like braggers. I, I want you all to understand this. And please, 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 please take me seriously. If I say anything today that sounds like I'm here to brag about myself, it, I'm not. I'm not. If, if it sounds like bragging, just shut me out. Just, you know, get on your cell phone or something. Don't, don't listen to what I'm saying if you think I'm bragging. I'm saying this only, only to give you a measure of my personal experience. Um, I, again, I've told you about my qualifications, all this kind of good stuff. So what am I going to do? I actually wrote to every uh, Christian school in this area uh, when I retired, wanted to know if, didn't they need a doctor of theology to, to teach at their school? I'm not, I don't want to be paid. I just, I want to be fruitful. I want, I want to do something for the Lord. I thought that'd be great. Uh, I got two interviews and they said, well, maybe, maybe this and this and this. Never call me back. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm kind of hard-headed. I, I can take a no. Um, so they, they said, okay, well, been nice meeting you, etc. Okay, I've had people come to me and knowing my credentials and say, you know, um, the denomination I belong to, they have actually got some little churches out in the country that really need a pastor pretty badly. How would you feel about being a pastor? And my response is usually, well, I guess so if I don't have to deal with the deacons and all those kinds of people who want to run the church. But, uh, but that's just the way I am. But uh, are y'all surprised that that happens? Yeah, I, it happens. But um, that, that never came to pass. And then Kenny asked ask his mother and I to, to join him in this journey that Simple Church is. 
And um, not too long after I retired, I had a good friend who asked me, he knew my credentials, and he asked me, he said, um, you know, I speak at a, a nursing home, and I've done this in the past, that's part of what I've done, that said, uh, how would you like to help me out on Tuesdays at this nursing home? Give a little message every now and then. I said, okay, okay, well, that's not too big a deal, I can do that. I'm going to show you all something here in just a minute. Anybody have an idea? That, I mean, just this is a rough illustration. Okay, I mean, very rough. If I, if I were building a building, what would, what would that be useful for? Plumb line. Kenny said that's a plumb line. You know, a plumb line is a thing that's used to show what is perfectly vertical. All right? Simple thing. But people will do it. They say, I want to lay a wall. I want to begin a wall. Okay. That, that's pretty straight. Yeah, okay, good. Go from there. If I can find this. There was a gentleman named Zerubbabel. He was a district governor under the Babylonian king that had taken over Israel. All the people of Israel were taken into captivity. Some were allowed to, to remain in Israel, but Zerubbabel was the governor. Now, the king of Babylon, at some point in time, and this was not uncommon for them to uh, allow these things in their conquered lands, but uh, the king told Zerubbabel he had the authority to go ahead and rebuild the city and the city's walls. And here's a man with, with a lot of power. He had something on the ball. He knew the king, obviously. A man of great wealth, likely. And Zerubbabel went out, this is in the scripture, and he said, we're going to put this wall back. Start here. And he held a plumb line. And what did the Lord say about that? It's, it's in the scripture. It's in Zechariah 4.10. Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hands. What? This guy's he's somebody. And the Lord said he's delighted to see him holding a plumb line because the work will begin from there. A small beginning. All right, back to me. Back to me. So this friend of mine asked me to minister at a nursing home. I did okay. I guess I did okay. Because later he asked me, he said, how would you like to work for the chaplain at RMC? Well, okay, I'll go up and see. And I met the chaplain, a wonderful guy, Jim Wilson, and we talked for probably an hour, hour and a half. And, and I was able to tell him my credentials. And he, he said, that's great, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I'll tell you how much that helped me. Uh, he said, well, go with brother so-and-so and you're going to go around and do visitation in the hospital rooms. So I did, um, came back and, um, he told the lady in the office, he said, well, Ken is free to go ahead and do that. Just line him up next week to do that. And she said, um, what already? I mean, that's it. He said, yeah, yeah. So apparently my qualifications convinced him I, I could do that sort of thing. And the gentleman I was with said, yeah, he did, he did, okay. 
Uh, I found out right, right away, I, I didn't like the way they did things. Um, these chaplain assistants, you might call them, they go around, there's about 100 people who work for the chaplain at RMC, believe it or not. There's all kinds of focus groups, and I'll tell you about a couple of those in a minute. But um, I decided that my purpose was not to go in a room woke up and say, my name is so-and-so, I'm with the chaplain's group, and I came today to pray for you. I pray for that person. Well, I pray that the Lord will heal you, and you get out quickly, and you go home, have a wonderful life. Thank you. Have a good day. I don't do that. I don't do that. If, if I go in, I want to know about you. I want to know about your family. I want to know about your, your salvation. I, I can't do it. I can't do it without, without giving a part of myself to what I'm doing. I cannot do it. So, wonderful things have happened. I have to tell you that I visited a lady one day, and uh, I, I don't even know what I said, but I uh, visited this lady, and she, she proceeded to tell me. She was there. She had blood clots in her legs. And she proceeded to tell me that she was the administrator, the head person at a nursing home, a rehab center. And she said, uh, we had a chaplain, and he retired, and how would you like to do that? And I said, what does it pay? She said, nothing. And I said, I'll take it. So, um, so there, there began my journey to do that. The chaplain asked me, he said, uh, well, we need you to fill in, if you will. Um, we have a group of folks that meets first and third Tuesdays at 1 o'clock. And it's people who are having difficulty dealing with grief. They've lost a spouse, a child, or somebody. And your purpose will be to, to sit in there and encourage them to talk. It's kind of a group therapy sort of a thing. And uh, can you fill in for that? Well, yeah. And then I had a friend who ministers with the chaplain's group, and he's a pastor. And he has a session on Friday afternoons in the psych ward. That's, that can be interesting. And I was asked if I'd fill in for him sometimes. And my immediate thought is, will they attack me? Will I be safe? And, uh, but said, okay. Well, all of this began in a very small way. You see where I'm going. It all began in a very small way. Um, I'll have, now I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go and give you a few examples. If I get to 12 o'clock, somebody raise their hand. And I was, first of all, let me say today that um, I was concerned about what I was going to wear, but I turned that choice over to my wife, and I, I wasn't concerned after that. But, but I, was, I was, as I have been before when I gave a testimony, I, I, was, I was fearful about today. Not, not about standing in front of y'all. I mean, I, I know y'all love me. I, I know you wish me well. I was fearful I'd leave something important out. Did you ever do that, Kenny? Yep. Afraid I'd leave something important out. And, I, and I, I've left some stuff out, I'm sure, but it's probably not important. Um, but I found, i just give you a few stories. I've, I've got dozens of them. 
uh, I developed a, a friendship with a lady at, at this rehab center. And it was like, despite anything you could do to kind of keep somebody at arm's length, she became a friend because she was a very generous lady. She was confined to a wheelchair or, or this big chair she had in her room. And every time you would see her, she would want to give you a necklace or a bracelet or something. I'm not going to use real names. We'll call her Sheila. And I would see Sheila, and I see a number of people who are not really, don't have their wits about them, don't really have, um, cannot really remember that they've told me the same story over and over and over again. And talk about patience, you, that requires patience. But Sheila, every time I would go in to see her, she would ask me, well, what is heaven like? And I'd, I'd tell her, I said, well, yeah, I'm not going to pretty it up or gussy it up. I said, the Bible says that there is a single street of gold that goes through heaven, that it's lit by the presence of God, that there be no tears in heaven. And then from then, I'd say, now everything else is, is pretty much conjecture. And Jesus said we'd have a mansion there. We'd have a place. And there'd be a wedding feast. And, all, you know, you can, you can find that in the Scripture. I say, everything else that I will say is, is just kind of conjecture. And she loved to hear me tell that. And she probably asked me a dozen times, what is heaven like? And I, I'd get kind of excited, truthfully. I'd tell her about it, and she'd say, that sounds great. I'd say, will I, will I meet my loved ones? Say, yeah, yeah, I, I believe you will. I believe you will. And, you know, the story of uh, Lazarus, who had, was a poor beggar and had died, and he was able to see the tormented man in, in, in what we would call hell. And uh, so apparently we do have loved ones that can see outside of heaven, so perhaps you see loved ones that see you and are, and are aware of, of your condition. And, and I, I think that will give you some pleasure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, this lady asked me, she said, well, I want you to speak over me. And I said, excuse me, I, I, don't, I don't know what you mean. She said, when I die, and I don't think I'll live very long, when I die, I would like you to speak over me. Well, hey, I can do that. I, I mean, you're a kind, loving person, very generous, and all this kind of thing. I'll just go ahead and compose something. I'll just write that down, beginning now, and I'll have that ready. Well, I came one Friday, and the lady had passed away. Her family made a very simple thing of her funeral. I was not invited. There was a thing about that long in the obituary about her burial. They took her, buried her. That's it. Boy, that didn't feel good. What did I get out of this? I don't get to... Preach. I don't get to say all these glorious things. Man, that's enough to make you want to quit. This lady had a, a roommate who had been abusive to her, abusive in, in verbal in a verbal sense. And the Lord impressed upon me to reach out to that lady who had abused the particular lady who was a good friend of mine to minister to her. And this lady began to see me. When she'd see me, she said, I sure do miss Sheila, don't you? And I'd say, you know, I do too. You know, one of the things that was really good about her was her loving nature. Don't you agree she was a loving person? It, 
I used her as an example to preach to the other lady. And I said, this is what the Lord wants me to do. It's, the, the other lady had faith. She really did have faith. And I love to, to tell the stories about heaven and so forth and so on. But my whole purpose in being there with her was to reach the other lady. I don't have any doubt. Don't have any doubt. Um, walked in, found, a, found a, one, a lady one day in RMC. Very sweet lady. She looked like she was ready to go home. She said, I think I'm going. I'm going to rehab first, and then I'm going home. And she said, I cannot wait till I get back in church. And I said, um, yeah, that's, that's a good thing. I want you to be back in church. I said, do you have any young people in your church? She said, well, yeah, yeah, there's some young people. I said, what would it be like if you were really sweet and loving to those people that come into the church? Make them feel welcome. They don't know you. They don't know anybody, maybe. What if you were, what if you were friendly toward those people? She looked like I'd slapped her. She said, well, yeah, I guess I can do that. I guess I can do that. That sounded a little bit like a victory to me. Maybe, maybe I've done some good. Um, went to the psych ward one time. Young man was there. He said, what, what's happening here today? And I said, we're going to have a spirituality session. Anybody is welcome. We're going to talk about the Bible. We're going to talk about Christianity because I'm a Christian minister. He said, I'm not a Christian, so I won't be in here. I said, you're welcome. Atheists are welcome. Buddhists, whatever you are, you're welcome. Well, I won't be in here. And he left. And then when the session started, he came back in. He said, I'm just going to sit over here. I said, that's fine. That's fine. Sit there. And the, he was such a nice young man. He said, I don't mean to cause trouble. I'm not trying to raise anything, but I, I, I have a question about this. I have a question about that. And he did that several times. And then before, when the session was over, he, he said, can I ask you a couple of questions? I said, sure, sure. And we sat down and he said, was it not decided at the, the council at Nicaea that there was a, a holy trinity? I said, no. I said, it was voted on there, but it was known in the scripture. It talks about in the word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. And then it says, the word became flesh. That's Jesus. And of course, God was there to begin with. That's what Genesis says. I said, and then Jesus said, I must go away so that the comforter, the Holy Spirit will come. I said, there's the Holy Trinity. It's in the Bible. It was in there way before Nicaea and all that. He said, oh, okay. And then he said, what is the Apocrypha? I said, it's some extra books that were not included in the Bible. They were said to be kind of uh, parallel to the Bible, but they were not books included. He said, oh, I thought, I thought that people wouldn't answer my questions about it because they were trying to hide something. He said, I grew up and I had questions about Christianity and about the Bible. And my folks always said, well, read the Bible, read the Bible. And I thought, he said, thank you very much. And I thought, well, maybe that helped. Well, I could go on and on and on. But, but I, I want to tell you, give, give you this one last example that is really, really hurtful. And, and this is not uncommon. Many people have a loved one that dies and they blame themselves in some way. If I had done this, if I had done that, maybe it wouldn't have occurred. And we had this session and this lady looked very distressed. 
And I told her, I said, We've, we don't know each other. We're not, we're not friends. We're not family. You can say anything in here. I said, I have literally had people say in here, I'm mad at God because my loved one was taken away. That's, that's a real thing. People, that happens to people. This lady began to rant. She said, I am mad as, you know what? I want my son to come home now. I've thought about killing myself. I am just mad. You know what I said to that lady? Nothing. There's a lady sitting next to me who's been in, in these sessions for more than a year now. And she sat there and said, God is with you through this. I knew that lady would do that. And this lady continued to rant at me, and this lady says, God is with you through this. I have a saying, is never miss a good chance to shut up. And I'm going to shut up here in a minute. <clears throat> Was Jesus ever rebuked because of the death of somebody? Yep. His buddy Lazarus died. And when he showed up, Jesus showed up. His sister said, well, you, if you had been here, Jesus, he wouldn't have died. One, one said that to him, and he went on. The second one came to him and said, where have you been, Jesus? If you had been here, he wouldn't have died. And Jesus said, he'll live again. That's not a, that's not a rebuttal. That's not, I mean, they said, and, and then, of course, you can't read that in the Scriptures, but then they said to him, what? Of course we know that. In the afterlife, we, he'll rise again. We know that. And then Jesus went and brought him back to life. There, there are people, hurting people, who need nothing more than somebody to listen to them with patience, with kindness. Now, I've, I've heard, again, about um, people who have a heart for missions. If you, you ever go on a mission trip and see some child, some person, and you wonder if your being there is really going to help them or not. I see, I see heads nodding. But you go anyway, don't you? See, I think, I think that that's what the Lord wants us to do. Do what you can. Here's, here's a quote from a famous gentleman. You, may, you never know what ability you have until you try something and apply yourself. That was Mr. Joseph Hedgepath said that. I found that on his website. I was looking this week and found that. And isn't that true? Give me that last picture, Connie. This is a little story. Y'all see that? It's a bunch of starfish on the shore. Well, it was a story about two men that were walking down a beach that looked like this. And one man walked up and he picked up a starfish and threw it out in the ocean. And he bent down to pick up another one and the man said, what are you doing? You can't save all these starfish. And he said, I saved that one. So that's the essence of my, my message today is that we all can do something. I pray that the day comes when you feel it necessary, you feel the burden on your heart to do as, as these ladies have testified. Um, do what you can. Uh, there are greater things than what we do inside this building. And uh, finally, 
a story that I heard about a gentleman who had a, a, a near-death experience, and y'all have heard all these sorts of things, and he went to heaven, and I hear people say all this stuff, well, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God why this happened and that happened and so forth and so on. I think you get in the presence of God, you probably keep your mouth shut. But, I mean, I really do. I don't think you're going to be all, you see, you're going to answer my question. I don't think so. Well, this gentleman said that he was on the operating table. He, he died. They revived him. And he said that he had appeared in the presence of God. And they said, well, what did he say? Did he ask you all this stuff? Did he, did he want to know what you'd done with your life and all that? He said, the Lord looked at me and said, did you learn to love? That's it. So I believe that we're all called to love. That's what the scripture says. Love in some way or other. And I think with time, regardless of your hoity-toity abilities, you may begin in a simple way, but the Lord will use you if you make yourself available. All right? Thank you, Dad. You know... Um, he's right. We all go in and we, we do certain things with expectations, right? We get a degree or we think we're going to start a church and before you know it, there's going to be 3,000 people here and it's going to be overwhelmed and people are going to be throwing money at us and we'll just, we'll build really big and we'll buy out the Quintard Mall and we'll start meeting in there, right? Yeah, right. But you know what? That, that's God's timing. That's God's plan. And, and exactly what Dan said, you, you be obedient with those little things. To whom much is given, much is required. It doesn't say much is asked. It says much is required. He says you be obedient with the little things. And I'll give you the big things. You, you go in with these thoughts in your mind about what it's going to be. And God just says, you just do what I've told you to do. And I'll handle the rest. That theology degree that you thought you'd use for this or that or to teach classes or whatever I'm actually going to use that theology degree so you can talk to an atheist in a group session uh, in the hospital you know we never we never really can realize and wrap our minds around all the things that God's doing we just all we got to do is say yes to Jesus and respond to God when he calls in our life and thank you dad for sharing that thank you for the examples of what God has done in your life and that's what Simple Church is about. It's about a group of people that just said, yes, whatever, God, whatever you want me to do, I'll just do that. We got a lady who she, she, she came to me one day with her clothes basket full of baptistry towels, and she said, I'm washing these. She said, I've been looking for what I was supposed to do, and God said, you're supposed to wash the towels. <laughs> she said, so give me your towel. I'm going to wash it. Little things, little things. To, to, he began a great work and he'll finish it that's the way God starts with the little things let me pray and we'll have a time where you can just respond to God Father thank you so much Lord for this message that we've heard God thank you so much uh, for this man of God that has just preached your word God I thank you even more so Lord for the step of obedience that he has taken by following you and doing what you've called him to do God, there are people in this room, Lord, and you're putting a calling on their life and how they're to serve and what they're to do and all the things that 
God, that need to be done in this place and outside of this place. God, I just pray that we'd be obedient to that. God, however small and simple it may seem, God, we know that it can have a great impact. We know what a little boy did with five loaves and two fishes who is obedient to you. So, God, I pray that, God, you would just show us the small things that we can do to glorify your kingdom. God, because it's not about us. It's about love, and it's about a selfless love, an unconditional love, an unfailing love. God, we're to have that love towards you and have that love towards the people of this world. And if we would just do that, God, you would lay out the steps and you would make a way. God, you would show us the things that we're to do each and every day of our lives. So God, help us to love more and help us to serve in obedience to your commands. God, thank you for this message. Thank you for how it has challenged us. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You can stand.